If you have your Bibles, if you would please turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Today you see that I have a shirt on that says, Dead to Sin and Alive in Christ. Today we're going to have a baptismal service and it's going to look uh, really cool because I think we need to kind of like express and understand what is dead to sin and alive in Christ. And so I started thinking about it and I called Pastor Luke up. I said, I want a cool shirt. And did he ever make me a cool shirt? I have gold on it with the 17 year anniversary thing here and my name over here and, you know, new hope on the back. And uh, but It was a reminder to me that as those that are being baptized, what does dead to sin and alive in Christ look like to you? Let's go ahead and read together in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. And here's what it says, and we'll read it out of the New King James Version this morning. And it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Now let's jump down and we're going to look at verse number 8 as well. Verse 8 reads, and here's what it says. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And then in verse 11, it says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus Our Lord verse 12 reads therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but you are under grace. For when you were slaves to sin, or slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. One of my favorite verses of all times. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you went to the the cross for us. And today we can talk about what it's like to be dead to sin yet alive in Christ. And what was Paul actually saying in the scriptures as he was trying to uh, exemplify and bring out the words so that we understood that we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace, yet we don't need to, to be so flippant and free to know that we still have accountability, and that's to you. So, Father, we thank you today. Hide me behind the cross in the shadows 
of your mercy and your life. Father, speak through me today and let, let your word be heard. May it resonate into the hearts and souls of each person here today. Father, thank you again for the years of ministry. Thank you, Father, for the 17 years. It seems just like yesterday that, Lord, you started the church. She's still yours. And thank you for entrusting all of us to take care of your bride. Father, we honor you today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I gave my life over to Jesus Christ, deciding to die to self and live for God, I was actually convinced that I would never sin again. And I didn't. For a few hours, or days that is. Our passage for this morning can be kind of troubling for some. And I deliberated, you know, normally I'll take this time when I talk about what God has done in our life and how he's blessed our church, and I just love to expound on that. And, but God really convicted my heart and said, I want you to preach this message today. can almost give off the impression that Christians don't sin, and I think some of us you know, that those that look in our life, they think that way. And if Christians don't sin, I guess I'm not a Christian. Because I believe that many of us are sinners saved by God's grace. But you see, but that is not what Paul is getting at in our passage for this morning. If we were to go back a few verses, back into Romans chapter 5, Paul is describing how the law is in place in order to show us that we are indeed sinners it's there to show us that we can't save ourselves we must rely completely on jesus sacrifice for our sins it says because while we were yet sinners christ died for us and the more we study the law of god the more we realize how far we all fall short and then Paul explains that through the disobedience of Adam in the Garden of Eden, sin and death entered the world. But then he goes on to say that through the obedience of one person, Jesus Christ, life and grace has entered the world. In Romans chapter 5, verse 18, here's what it reads. In Romans 5:18, it says, Therefore... As through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. Then he goes on to say that the Old Testament law stepped in to amplify just how sinful and lost we are. And then he writes, but where sin increased, grace multiplied even more. In other words, here's what he's saying. The more we see just how sinful and fallen we are, the more we understand just how much God's grace has saved us through God's love for us. You heard me say this, and remember last week when we said John 3.16. While you were at your darkest, God said, I loved you. That's what God says to us. That's how much God loves us. Long before we even thought of God, God loved us and died for us. God loved us even in our darkest, most sordid moments because God loves us. Even at our worst, we can love ourselves, we can love God, and we can love others. And, and it says this, that we are transformed by accepting this love, believing in this love, big time. 
someone knows they are loved, they act, they feel, and are a lot different than if they believe that they are condemned, hated, worthless, you name it. Every church everywhere should have the Chick-fil-A feel. Right? Hello, welcome to Chick-fil-A. Is this your first time you've ever had a chicken sandwich with waffle fries? Everybody makes a big deal out of it, doesn't they? And then, I always love this. No, I've been here like 500 times. Do you want the Chick-fil-A sauce to go with that chicken sandwich? Yes, I do. Yes, you do. And can I have extra? Right? They may, and then they use words like this. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Why? There's one or two things going on here. One, they were trained properly. Or two, they love what they do. You know, many of us will say that we're Christians, and yet we don't walk in the newness of Christ. Many of us will say that, yes, we're Christians, but what does newness look like for us? You know, when, when Paul was kind of breaking this down, and I'll get into this, I believe that if we continue to look in the life of Adam, and we have Adam's sin nature. Now, the reason why Paul brought up Adam's sin nature is because that was the humanistic part of it. So he was bringing up sin. But if you look in Romans chapter 6, what I love about that text in that chapter, it says we're to die to it, die to it, die to it, die to it over and over and over again and again and again. You know, it's interesting because being a King James lover like I am, you know, it's very difficult, even though sometimes I'll break it down like today we have the NKJV, but I love that the Bible says different words, and I love the context to those words. And I, leave, I love the theological uh, wording because I think it means so much, but when it says the words like mortify, put to death those things, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 12 years old, it doesn't matter if you're 200 years old. I think we're reminded all the time that we need to mortify and put to death the sin, the Adam nature of our life. But if we're going to walk in the newness of Christ and be alive in Christ and dead to sin, we need to understand Adam's nature, right? So what does Adam's nature look like? It's a sinful nature. It's a nature where one feels like I'm worthless. I, I'm not good for nothing. I need to have more of the Chick-fil-A feel. I love to stand back at New Hope because I always say this. We should have the Chick-fil-A motto. And they didn't pay me to say this, but I love words like, certainly, for sure. It's my pleasure. No, go ahead of me. Would you like a donut? There's one last jelly fill that's left. You can have it. I mean, you guys would be like, that church is really weird. <laughs> and so is that pastor. Because nobody in the world acts like those people. But... You know, and it's always funny. And another thing about Chick-fil-A, okay, I'm getting off on a tangent, right? I am. Are you guys ready? Okay, it's nine ninety nine ninety nine. I'm like, what did you just plug in there? Did you know what I was getting? It took you about two seconds to put that. But then I realized there's only a couple options on there. It's Chick-fil-A. You get chicken. You know, I mean, it, it just came, the, I mean, and I had to understand it. But I like their little iPads. So I think the greeting team needs to have iPads so we remember people's names. Um, so when people come in the second time or third or maybe the 12th, you don't look at them and say, Hi, is this your first time here? Would you like a cop with a gift? We don't want you to do that. We want you to feel like family. We want you to feel valuable. 
and valued and loved. And I believe that's what God did for a world that he said, for God so loved that world. He counted us worthy of giving us his son. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, God loves us just the way we are. That's a hard truth, isn't it? I have imperfections. I mean, my hard part grows hair like in a couple days. I have to ask my wife to cut it. We all have imperfections. But God has made you just who you are. You are valuable. And you are worth something. So for many of us that have come through New Hope for Recovery, we celebrate your recovery. I don't care if it's one day, one hour, one week, one year, or 20 years. You are to be celebrated because you are worth something to Christ. Amen? So that is what Paul is explaining. But it's easy to misunderstand this. So Paul says, and if we look here in Romans chapter 6 verse 1, here's what he says. So what, what are we going to say? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we continue sinning so that grace will multiply? Absolutely not. There was once a story told about an airplane ride where a woman sat next to this Christian man. They got along very well, and they talked about God and faith the whole entire flight. As the plane descended toward their destination, the man turned toward the lady and asked her if she would like to get a hotel room when they land. This lady was floored. Now, many of you looked at me like, are you serious, Pastor? After all this talk about Christianity and Jesus, she asked, and the man's reply was this. Well, we were saved by grace. That means we can do anything we want. He was missing the point, wasn't he? He missed the point altogether. And we all do the same thing. Listen to me, church. I have so many people say, it's okay if I do that. You see, I'm no longer under the law. I'm under grace. But why is it that it says here in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and here's what it reads. It says this. That all who were baptized into Christ Jesus, and it says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized, what? Into his death. They were baptized into his death. I like the, the translation here. It says, therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. We can walk in the newness of life. Look to the person next to you and say, you can walk in the newness of life. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we who are dead in our sins can be raised to new life in Christ. Now here's what I want you to notice here t this morning. Sin is a glorified lie of the devil. Did you hear what I said? Sin is a glorified lie of the devil. It may look good and right, some people like it, and it may smell appealing. It may seem to make sense, but all it does is leave us unfulfilled and very, very unhappy. Sin leaves us dead inside. And so we continue on the never-ending trek in search of something that will make us happy. Have you ever... Bought a new car. Many of us know that feeling of buying a new car. 
thinking, oh boy, now that I have this new car, every time I get behind the wheel and take it for a drive, my life will be so much better. But the bizarre thing is, that wears off pretty quick, doesn't it? It's the same thing with sin. We might think it will fill the void, but it's just empty calories. Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us in full. And to give it to us abundantly. Jesus came so that we can live the lives we were created to live. Jesus came so that we can be fulfilled and make a positive difference during our short stay on this earth. You know, I'm more convinced today that life is but a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. All the things that we have, all the things that we've collected, it goes very quickly. So cherish every moment you have. Enjoy the memories that you have. Enjoy the little nuances and the weird things of life together like, Hi, welcome to New Hope. Whatever it is. Enjoy those moments that you have together. And enjoy the victory and the life that you have in Jesus Christ. Life is about making Jesus number one. In verse 4, Paul says that we were buried together with Jesus Christ. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too can walk in the newness of life. Paul says we can walk in the newness of life. To walk in the newness of life means to put our faith, what, into action. Listen, church, we're here today because it means that we're journeying with Jesus. It means doing what Jesus did and doing what Jesus is calling us to do. It means putting love into action. It means that when God calls you to do something, you surrender to it, and you're no longer walking in the Adam spirit. You're now walking in the Holy Spirit, and you're listening to the call of Jesus Christ. So today, right now, God's working on your heart. He's working in your life. He's giving you a word. But the question is, are you saying, is this just coincidental or is this just, what's happening right here? And we're always saying, God, I need proof. I need to see something in action. But it's just like the church. We started the church 17 years ago. And it was difficult for us, and I knew that was something we needed to do, but I knew that God showed up in a place in Ravenna, Ohio, during my prayer time, doing a job cleaning, downtown Akron. And I knew when God showed up there that I needed to surrender. And that is why in those low moments, in those valley moments, in those moments when you think, man, I'm just not the person for the job. I'm just not the person for the call. I'm just not the guy. That God reminds us in his sovereignty and love, oh, wait a minute, do you remember where I showed up? you remember where you were called? you remember what I did for you? Listen, I saw something take place today that was, was just, it made my day. It couldn't have happened on any other day. It happened today. This September day as we celebrate 17 years of ministry. And it was putting love into action says that the love of God that has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Now, let me explain something to you. Today, I walked in, and uh, I believe it was Pastor Chris said, uh, there's a gentleman here from Nepal. He wants to talk to you. And I said, oh, okay. And so I went up, and I greeted him with Jameshi. And uh, that means greetings in the one true God. And if you know anything about the Nepali or Bhutanese community, they believe in Hinduism. And Hinduism means they have like 2,000 gods. But once they come to know the true living God, which is Jesus Christ, amen, there's power in the name of Jesus, and uh, 
then they change their whole life. So as you greet them, you will know. So if I see Nepali people and I look at them and go, Jameshi, I know right then when they don't say Jameshi back, I said, uh-oh, I know where you're at. However, most of them will honor me, you know, in, in, that, in that space or, or, or text. So today he said to me, he said, Pastor Todd, I, w- I want to talk to you. He said, I've heard about you through our Nepali community. So many of you do not know this, but here at New Hope, we started a church called New Hope Nepali Fellowship that's still going on on State Road at the Vineyard, which was once called Community of Believers, and they all still meet and greet there. We asked them if they would still like to come here, but because of that, they wanted to stay in the local area because so many people live so close by there. But church, let me tell you, one of the greatest things that I ever had the great responsibility and privilege and pleasure of is to be able to start a community of love. I knew that when those, those five men walked in, and I can name them by name right now, and they sat back where, where Mike's sitting, God said to me as I stood behind that pulpit many years ago, he said, and I was preaching, and the, the, the Holy Spirit kept speaking to me, and he kept saying, those men in the back, those men in the back, they need a church, they need a church, they need a church. I didn't know what that meant. But I kept listening. I kept hearing it. And then, you know, I would go back to my notes and I would get somewhat distracted. And I said, what, what's he talking about here? Those men need a church. Help those men. Well, back then, about 15 years ago, maybe, yes, I, I would say it's about 15 years ago, the Nepali and Bhutanese community, they're over by India. They ended up uh, migrating to the Akron area because of the International Institute. And so those men stopped by the church and they said that the Lord brought them there. So Sanjay was kind of the interpreter for, for DB, which is Pastor Dahl. Many of you know who he was and who he is. And, uh, and Perna was with him, Ganesh and, and Ganga. But, uh, so after the service, they said, Pastor Todd, we need to talk to you. And I said, oh, no, you don't need to talk. They looked at me and they said, oh, no, we need to talk to you. We need to ask you a very serious question. And I said, what serious question do you have? Can I answer it? And they're like, yeah. I said, yes, you can have church here. They looked at me. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. And we had a great community, didn't we? What's cool about the Nepali church is that God spoke to us. Our church backed them. We see, we, listen, when you baptize a 96-year-old gentleman who could barely get into the baptismal waters, you just want <laughs> I wanted to dance and just scream around the church. Okay, I won't do that. Anyhow, you don't want me to run on my trip. Anyhow, that was back in the day. But I will tell you, it's exciting to see the love of Christ and to know that a man who all he knew was Hinduism, all he knew was to bow down to a false idol, yet he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. See, we all have the Adam nature. We all have that sinful Adam nature. But listen what happened. So all these souls were saved. The lives were changed. I asked them if they wanted to come with us. They wanted to stay in the area. I was a little bit heartbroken. We actually asked them if they wanted to buy the church. We were going to do land contract. We were going to do all kinds of things for them, but they didn't want to at the time. And then, you know, but God opened up the door. And another church, which is a worship church, which is, I think, Pastor Rye is now preaching over there. But uh, what's cool is today, Caleb Rye shows up here and says, what do you think? Can we have church here? We heard through the community. You help everyone. 
what, what an honor. When you feel like you're so unworthy, like, ugh, you know, and, and I had all these sayings because, you know, they just went, they, they just were undisciplined. Let me just put it to you like that. But we taught them. We had English as a second language. We taught them what it was like to worship in a community, what it was like to be reverent in the house of the Lord, what it was like. Listen, and when you see a church packed out with Nepali people, and we would have services together, man, that raccoon and the groundhog and everything else we ate, it was like something I've never had before. Oh, no, I just told everybody in the building what we ate with them. Sorry, but it happened. You thought it was chicken, but I just didn't have the heart to tell you. Anyhow, and so with that being said, we were still up here like, ugh. So we all ate together, and uh, you just throw everything in a pot, and then you have, you know, all the curry. and I mean, it's, it was a great feast. It's, we did do that, but it was, it was memorable. And we had our American food as well, and they ate with that. And it was kind of a wonderful international meal. What I want to say to you is this. From that, and I was, was sharing with uh, Kyle this morning, we've seen several splits from that. So all over North Hill, when I, I drive around, I'm like, oh, I know them, and I know them, and I know them, and I know them. But you know what they're doing? They're all proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, all because I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I didn't say, what are you talking about? Is this coincidental? What am I supposed to do? I knew what we were supposed to do. Listen, when you become dead to sin, that means you put to death those things, your self-centeredness, the things that are selfish, and then you say, you know what, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face whatever comes my way. I didn't know what that looks like, but I know what I did because I was obedient. Are you obedient to show the love of Christ in a time when some things don't seem to be so lovely? We all need to show love. We all need to demonstrate that love. We all need to be alive in God. And when we are alive in God, we are free to love ourselves, love others, and love God. We're free to be the people we were created to be. We're free to be happy and alive at last. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul is writing to the church. And, and I wanted to go kind of somewhat deep theologically, but I won't do that this morning. But here's what it says. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. To be a slave, as Paul understands it, is to surrender our lives to the control of another. Watch. And when slavery is defined this way, we get to face it. We are all slaves of one kind or another. But the question I want to ask you this morning is, what are you a slave to, or who or what is your master? It's been said that some people are slaves to fashion, and fashion is a fickle master indeed. Every season brings a new set of requirements, right, when it comes to fashion. New clothing, accessories to be purchased, new trends to be adopted. And when we were slaves to fashion, sometimes we look fabulous. Other times we may look ridiculous. And then there's some, I mean... Like, look at these guns. By the way, when we took that picture yesterday, were you guys really impressed with your dad's guns? When I thought they disappeared a long time ago. Listen, I've never had guns. I don't even know what a gun is. I don't. I just don't. I leave that up to these guys, right? And, uh, but some are slave to fitness. Some people get up in the morning. I mean, Brother Jerry is dedicated to working out, and I admire that. I mean, I admire that, that dedication, 
Some people do arrange their lives around everything, around their workout schedules, around everything. Some folks have pledged allegiance to wealth. But Jesus says no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. The Bible says you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and wealth. You want to know who your pastor or who your master is? Not your pastor. You better know who your pastor is. Just kidding. Pay attention to what occupies your thoughts and how you spend your time and money. And I'll say all this in closing this morning. And then I'll wrap all this up. We are all serving something or someone. And the passage from Romans invites us to ask, Whom do I serve? Paul sees only two possible masters, God or sin, Jesus or the devil. He sees nothing wrong with having a master. Everyone has one. Is whom we serve that makes the difference. There was a New Testament scholar in the name of David. He puts it this way. There are loyalties that liberate. The only way to win is to surrender to God. The only way to win in your life is to surrender your life to God. To be alive in Christ. The old hymn says, make me a captive Lord and then I shall be free. Paul writes, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What consequences did you get from doing things that you are now ashamed of? I really do believe this in the Adam nature. The outcome of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, you have the consequences of a holy life and the outcome is what? Eternal. Eternal life. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord in Romans 6.23. Today I'm going to ask you an important question. Have you put to death your Adamic nature? Have you put to death that part of your life that says, okay, but this is pleasing, but this is enjoyable. Now it says this. As Paul was saying, he said, but now you get to walk in righteousness. Righteousness means right living. How many of you have made mistakes? I've made a lot of mistakes, even as a Christian, even as a child of God, even as a pastor. Now, here's where it gets serious. If you look at the nature of Adam, if I were to go to 1 John chapter 3, I want you to read it later on because it will be very, very convicting for you. And we won't go into it today, but I think this is where it becomes very, very serious in your walk with Christ. If you're flirting with the devil and you're flirting with, this, with sin, there's going to be consequences for what you do. If you are walking in the Spirit and you are fellowshipping with the Spirit, there will be rewards from living a Spirit-filled life. And that's the fruit and the reward from our Heavenly Father. You will see that. But when I look in my own life, I know I make mistakes. And I'm probably my worst critic. I beat myself up all the time. But no matter where you're at or what you're going through, here's the question you need to ask yourself. When was the last time that I put to death those very things that continue to keep controlling me? In 1 John chapter 3, it says this. If you don't walk in the Spirit... Are you truly born again? Well, we know it says, John 3, 3, Verily, verily, I say anything except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Are you flirting with sin? 
So, people have said to me in the years of our baptismal services, Pastor, what happened to that couple that got baptized? What happened to that man or that woman that got baptized? Where, where'd they go? What happened to them? What's it say up there? Buried in the likeness of his death. In the likeness of his death. So we are buried in Christ, with Christ. Isn't that what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 6? We just read this morning. So now we're dead to sin. Now, when you come up out of the water, which is the model of Jesus Christ, right? He was immersed. He wasn't sprinkled. So when you come up out of the water, you're what now? You walk in the newness of Christ. Now your life should be exciting. You should be able to do things like this and to shout glory and then look crazy and be crazy because you know what? We should be excited about the Christ we serve. You know, being a youth pastor for years, I always wanted to just show excitement to the kids. I always wanted to just kind of engage with them and, and, and encourage them to listen. You don't have to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is who you are. You're under grace. You're no longer under the law. See, the Old Testament is the Adam nature. The New Testament is the grace of God. But again, like the story says, does it mean that you get to go ahead and flirt with sin? Can you just live a holy life? Many of us will continue to say, oh, but it's okay. It's just a little this and a little that. Well, if you ever come on Thursday nights to our new Hope for recovery, you'll learn very quickly that a little this and a little that can take you down a road of hell. It can ruin relationships and loved ones. And, and I'm here, church, to tell you, but there is life in Jesus Christ. There is love in Jesus Christ. And he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. So where do you turn from it? Where do you walk away from it? You know what baptism is to me? That day that we had, I forget, 20-some Nepalis, 20 people in our baptismal service that day. That was a lot of baptisms. But what a great revival that was to watch people get saved, turn from their wicked ways, and live a life of victory. See, to me, getting baptized is so important. That's what this church is about. Accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's the great commandment. Going into all the world and teach and preach the gospel. And that's what new hope is about. That's the DNA of this church. That is who we are because we love people and we love to see people get saved we love to see their lives changed and we get to celebrate in that I'm going to ask you a question if Paul was encouraging the church and he says this in Romans you need to put to death your Adam nature and we know what that looks like we've all been there we know what the flesh is like have you done that have you put to death those things and now you say today I'm going to walk in the spirit I'm going to demonstrate love. I didn't ask you to like some of the people that you're loving. He just gave us a commandment to love. And I don't think I need to go into that right now, but I think it's a great commandment to love one another. We all have differences, but let's walk in the spirit of Christ. Let's continue to understand what our role is and responsibility as Christian followers of Jesus Christ. Do you receive it this morning? Do you believe what the scriptures have to say? Do you understand what Paul was saying to the church there in Romans? That today we need to put to death all those things that we hate. 
and walk in the newness of life. I'm going to ask you this question. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Ask yourself that question. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. Today's your day of salvation. Today is your day to accept him, to put to death those things, and then become alive in Christ. Let's all rise to our feet. Father, we come to you this morning. Father, thanking you for all that you've done in this church. Father, I could probably go on for another hour about, Lord, the miracles of this ministry. Father, we know what they are. But, Lord, I, I think it's more important for many of us in this room to to understand what it truly means to, to walk in the newness of Christ. Lord, I want all of us, as it says in verse 11, to put all those things, to put ourselves down, to, to kill those things, to mortify those things, but to be alive in God, in Christ Jesus. So, Father, this morning... We know that there's always a before and we always know that there's an after. Lord, sometimes we're caught between what should we do and how should we do it. But Father, today, I ask that you'll hear our confessions. And as we become before you, Lord, we, we ask that you will put to death those things and help us to live and to run victorious in the Christian life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. And Father, if there's somebody here today that needs a touch, that needs an anointing. Father, I pray over them today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will deliver them from such strongholds of their life. Lord, as the song says, you had the last word. You said it is finished. So, Father, help us as today as we look at those being baptized that we can celebrate from them accepting Christ being baptized and walking in the newness of Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if, if you need prayer, would you just, maybe, maybe there's something in your life you could say, Pastor, I need you to pray on this 17-year anniversary. I need to put to death some things. Is there some in this room that would slip their hand up and say today, yes, yes, amen, 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 all over the place. Praise the Lord. Maybe there's somebody here today that says, Pastor, I need Jesus as my number one Savior. I need Him to be number one in my life. Is there somebody here that says, I need Jesus today more than I've ever needed? Amen. So this morning, you just have to say, Lord, I know who you are, and I believe that you are the Son of the living God. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come into my heart and my life. Save me today. Lord, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. Help me to walk in the newness that you provide. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your death, your burial, and the resurrection. And I accept you today. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless those being baptized. In your holy name we pray. Amen.